Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is Lent, Week 2, Prayer. Anne, happy second week in Lent, uh, with Lenten prayer being our theme for this week. How is your L-E-N-T time for prayer going? Hi, Haley. Uh, Welcome. Yes, it's the week of, today's February 28th, but we're entering into March. And I had written an idea about four minutes of prayer to start my morning, because I found success in the 21 for 2021 of reading. And Haley, honestly, I have yet to integrate my own words. So um, one minute with each letter, which isn't hard. And I love the idea. I'm just not there yet. In fact, I don't know, maybe my Lent prayer. That's what I'm going to, that's already, we have our takeaways for this week. That's something I'm going to work on. So how's the 21 minutes of reading going? Is that, are you still on board with that? It's been great. And I am just about to finish my book and I, I can't wait for the next that I will read. You know, some of these authors and bloggers take these photos of books that they've read and it's so impressive and (laughs) I'm just not there, but, um, Hey, I have enjoyed this discipline, if you will. And there is a great quote by Matthew Kelly. I don't know if I've already said it. We, we become the books we read. So if that's true, I'm kind of curious who I will become as a resort, as a result, excuse me, of reading these books. So maybe that was a Freudian slip because I am going to Ireland next summer on a girl's golf trip. And I'm reading a book, you know, as I've mentioned, of course, called Ireland. So maybe I've already become part of this, (laughs) this book, this journey. Yeah, but that's not something that's, that's something worth becoming. (laughs) Yeah. So so yeah, let's move into our flame. What's hot this week? Um, earlier this week, you sent me a text and I got several of these and it just said tiger capital letters, exclamation, and exclamation point. And we'll be talking about prayer and there's a lot of people in need of our prayers. And I was struck a number of people offered, they said prayers for tiger and pr- tiger woods is certainly a controversial figure. So, you know, just the humanity, you know, people see him now as a father And as someone who has really struggled, be it, you know, in his personal life with um, pain, with, um, you know, addiction to probably opioids or whatnot. So I think there is more empathy. There are certainly people that are not, but his car accident that took place on the morning of November, I mean, excuse me, February 23rd, it's kind of characterized by some interesting events. Uh, On Sunday, uh, he handed the trophy to Max Homa at the Genesis Open, which is at Riviera Country Club. And Max had said, you know, there's just, this is incredible to be handed the trophy by the person who influenced me. And Naomi Osaka, the tennis player had said, you know, the greatest compliment she could receive is for another tennis player to say, you influenced me. So I was kind of thinking about that idea, that principle of like the power of legacy and how we influence others. So that started the week. And I think people were genuinely appreciative of seeing Tiger there in good spirits. And Jim Nance had interviewed him and said, are you going to play in the Masters? And he said, I hope so. I have to get there because he himself had a recent surgery on his back. And, um, 
you know, so there's always this question about his comeback and his ability to win because in 2019, that was just so utterly captivating to, to see that, that comeback. And then two days later, uh, he's on his way to meet Drew Brees and Justin Herbert, both quarterbacks for a photo shoot, uh, for golf digest. And he's in this singular car accident. And it was just so alarming. I mean, you can see the photos. They use the jaws of life to remove his body. And um, I don't know if we're still reeling from the sudden death of Kobe Bryant, but it raised all kinds of questions, I think, for people. And questions even like, why do I care? Or, you know, why are we spending so much time looking at this, so to speak? Well, you know, and Tiger's one of those figures, you know, like Notre Dame, like the Yankees. They're just they're they are the great and you know oftentimes those great programs or athletes um you either love them or you hate them and um i think tiger definitely falls into that category um but it is nice to see people kind of come together even if they you know he isn't their favorite golfer and see them um reaching out and just being genuinely concerned about how he's doing you know it's interesting right after i um texted you my all capital letters uh tiger text um (laughs) no it was just it was interesting i was watching a morning news show and um you know they 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 shared the news about tiger's accident and then they had a, a golf reporter who has followed his career and covered him for years on and they interviewed this golf reporter and um you know the the first question they asked was something along the lines of you know will he ever get back to who he was or where he was you know will he ever be like he was before and you know, that question just struck a nerve with me because there there is no other answer to that question except for no. He he will not be the golfer he was before. He will not be the person he was before. Um, he might get back, you know, to playing championship golf. He may win tournaments. He may win, may win the Masters. He may, you know, go back to being an extraordinary golfer and the person that, you know, but he will not be the same. Um, and you know, that just, that, I think we need to get away from thinking that when something traumatic or tragic happens in our lives and it happens to all of us to varying degrees, um, you know, you don't go back to who you were. So will he be okay? We hope so. You know, will he go on to play great golf? We hope so. Will he be the same? Never. Um, that was just kind of an interesting take from my perspective on that, but I am glad to see people coming together and wishing him well. Well, and to your point, Haley, I think that's why stories like this event are worth paying attention to because just that realization, like, why would you expect someone after a big life event to be the same? Of course they won't. I mean, the you know, underlying that question is, will he win again? Is maybe a bottom line question. And we want to know right. that because people would love to see him break, you know, more records, or, you know, get to 18 wins and 18 majors. But it reminds me, you know, I was thinking, as they were describing his life, this is a man who's had incredible highs and incredible lows. And one way to kind of frame that, and I think of him, um, someone said, oh, is he like a shake? He's like a Shakespearean character. And I don't, I don't know enough of the good bard to say, yes, I'm going to plot him as the tortured, you know, um, protagonist or whatnot. I, to me, he's a Dostoevskian character and, you know, Russian literature, Fyodor Dostoevsky, his characters are dramatic. They have extreme highs and extreme lows. They might have an affair and it's not just an affair. It's a torrid love affair or they lose everything. And they're just characterized again by these highs and lows. If I was to give an image, I would say like cryptocurrency. If you watch it, these great highs and great lows and the profits to be made. 
Whereas Tolstoy, his characters really kind of are more prosaic and it's kind of, they move along um, a vertical line. And of course they have events. We all have events in our life, but they're just not as dramatic. And so it's one way for us to kind of make sense of our own lives. I mean, I've heard people say, I don't read fiction. I don't need to. Nonfiction presents enough of the truths about the human condition. And I would argue that Tiger Woods is essentially an example of what Dostoevsky has tried to, to illustrate for us. So we have those family members, we have those friends, perhaps that's a, a helpful way for you to think about their lives and to think about your own. And um, I think all of our stories are worth examining and looking at others because we affect other people and they influence us. And so, um, you know, whether that's scripture, which carries a story, and we'll talk about that more in our spiritual stew, you know, um, coming to an understanding of that, I think is essential. Yeah. And that was certainly a big topic I know for you this week. It doesn't surprise me that you got so many, um, texts from other people. I'm sure I wasn't the only person who thought of one of our favorite golf fans when we saw that. Um, and, and, you know, when you talk about loved ones, we talk about prayer, you know, for me this week, um, it's just been a, a long week of, of praying for people and for loved ones and for, you know, someone I care about very deeply, um, suffered a blood clot this week and unfortunately in very quickly, um, had to have her, her foot amputated, um, more of her mm. lower leg above, it was above the ankle, below the knee. Um, and on top of that, she is a caregiver, um, to her husband who is uh, again, a, a real beloved person in my life who is battling pancreatic cancer. And, you know, it's interesting when, when tragedy happens, we offer prayers for the patient, but I find you find more and more people are offering prayers for the caregivers as well. Um, and I think we really need to continue Absolutely. to do that. It's, it's an extraordinary role to be a caregiver, um, because you don't necessarily mm. have the focus on you because you're not the patient. Um, but the caregivers need our prayers just as much. Um, you know, they need to really stay healthy themselves or they, um, can't be a caregiver. Um, and it is an extraordinary burden to do that. So many prayers going out to all people who are hurting and for all people who are caring for them um, as well. They need our support just as much. And, you know, in, in other news, you know, unfortunately, we lost a member of the Notre Dame football family this week at a much too young age of 29. And, you know, there's there's no details um, on this young man's death, cause of death yet. But, um, you know, he is someone that um, I, I have met just a couple of times. I wouldn't say I know him at all, um, but just in my um, you know, my my workings with the monogram club had the chance to interact, you know, a couple of times. And boy, there's just the mention of his name would bring a smile to your face. I mean, talk about someone who was always laughing and, you know, doing videos and making fun of himself and just truly joyful. Um, mm -hmm. So certainly prayers to his family and and all families who are hurting um, and missing loved ones. It's, you know, it, it, prayer isn't much and yet it's everything. Um, and sometimes it's all we can offer. So we certainly offer that up right now. Um, so that, Haley, that was Lewis Nix. Yes. Is that correct? And known, widely known as Irish chocolate. I love and that. that name and, um, you know, self-applied moniker. So uh, I want to be sensitive to, you know, nicknames and whatnot, but he really, 
was larger than life and yes no and and you're right you know the fact that he gave himself that name you know he called himself irish chocolate that was his twitter (laughs) you know his twitter handle and um he did he embraced it and he ran with it and um you know you, you really just couldn't help but smile when you saw him and and listen to him yeah so and then I just, you know, real quick wanted to follow up on our conversation from last week and Minecraft and the Nether. And, um, you know, I live in a world of, of video games and teenage boys here. And um, for anyone who follows, um, you know, who has any had had any child over the past 25 years, probably um, this past weekend was the 25th anniversary of the first the release of the very first Pokemon game in Japan. And apparently that was wow. Pokemon Red. Um, so I have a Pokemon fanatic in my house and he was Mm. so excited all week and telling me stories all week about what was maybe going to come out and what they were thinking they were going to release and the hints they were dropping. And, you know, the, it, it it is a holiday in our house, this national Pokemon day. (laughs) He talks about it every year, February 27th, because usually on February 27th, they announce what game they're going to be releasing in November. So huh. he has like seven months to just wait for this game. And, you know, again, it's always released on Pokemon Day. So it is a holiday in our house. Um, okay. And he would not. Super holiday? Well, my. Not oh, it's, oh, it's yeah. not B-list in our house. Nope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most people probably would, would say so, but no, not here. Um, but, you know, it just, it, it all circles back to, you know, listening to the, the extraordinary enthusiasm that my son has for Pokemon. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of the importance of listening. And, you know, Mm. that's such a great theme when we pray, Mm. right? It's just as important to listen when we pray. Um, It's really a a sign of love and respect, you know, even when we're talking Mm. with someone to really listen to what they're saying. And, you know, I have learned that if I want to have a 30 minute conversation with my son, that I have to listen to what he wants to talk about. Um, and this week it was Pokemon. So I had extraordinary conversations with him because I was willing to listen to that. Um, and you know, again, just a reminder that it's, it's such an act of love, um, and prayer to, to take the time to really listen to someone, um, no matter what it's about, it's just a a real gesture of, of love. Wow. That I can, I couldn't agree more. And that's such an important reminder. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I thought about when you were talking about Pokemon just a couple summers ago when Pokemon Go took over. And uh, I thought one of the more interesting things about that was that people were outside and they were venturing to places, right? Like public spaces. And it was in the summer, right? Is that correct? Oh, yes. And it was just awesome to see so many kids and, you know, adults and whatnot, just kind of venturing our communities. And I took students every summer to Camden, New Jersey which is, you know, what largely considered poor, urban, not safe. And at night there was so many people out and it was a wonderful thing to see. And in a small way, I thought about early on in COVID, one of the silver linings was seeing so many children out riding bikes, people walking, making the most of our outdoor spaces, because the temptation is to stay inside, you know, with your computer or playing your video games or whatnot. So, um, uh, shout out to Pokemon for, for bringing that to people, but 
yeah, the, the act of listening. And I think as a parent, um, I noticed maybe recently my mom can't go shopping without thinking of one of us. Oh, your brother would like this. Oh, your sister would like this. So you've kind of affirmed what, and I think that's such, I mean, that truly, that's an act of love too, but just listening doesn't cost anything other than your time and your, your openness. So um, thank you for the reminder. And uh, Dr. Robert Allen is a speaker for Dynamic Catholic. And I paid attention to his video this week where he said, you know, his advice to his younger self in terms of prayer. And he said, if I was to tell myself 30 years ago, what should I do differently in prayer? He said it would be to listen more and to just sit and be loved by God more. So when I was younger, I was always asking for things, telling God, you know, what's up? And he said, just sit and listen. So um, you're on to something there, both really good reminders. Well, and Anne, that actually takes us, um, you know, into our spiritual stew. And one of the readings that I found interesting, you know, this coming week is Luke eleven twenty nine, And, um, you know, it states, while still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given. And, you know, this, this speaks to me one, I, you know, people talk about, you know, every, every adult thinks every next generation is, you know, I won't use the word evil, but, um, mm. you know, not living up to who we want them to be. Um, so I, I don't like thinking of generations as evil, but, um, you know, I certainly won't contradict Jesus and, and what he's sharing with us. But the whole idea of, you know, the generation, speaking of the generation, you know, it seeks a sign, but no sign will be given. Um, you know, and I, that to me speaks to a couple of things. One, it speaks to our faith, right? The, the very definition of faith is believing in something we cannot see. It, it's having a faith in trusting that something is there, trusting that God is with us, um, you know, trusting in this belief system that we have um, and not, not being able to see it, really having no proof of it. And yet, you know, the whole idea of no sign will be given um, you know, no sign may be handed to us. No sign may pop up in front of our face, you know, you know, in the form of a burning bush or, you know, in a very tangible way that God revealed himself, you know, in the Old Testament. But the signs are there if we take the time mm -hmm. to listen. And, mm -hmm. you know, God is present and God is working miracles every day. Mm -hmm. We just have to be open to, to seeing them, you know, to seeing the sign, to hearing them to being receptive and, and willing to listen to what he's sharing, even if it's not necessarily what we wanna hear or the outcome that we're looking for. But um, I, I absolutely love what you shared about, you know, the recommendation of, uh, you know, Robert Allen's, you know, taking the time to truly listen more because that sign that we all seek is there, um, you know, if we take the time to, to listen for it and to look for mm -hmm. it. And, you know, that's the first, uh, the first minute of the Lent prayer is light and asking God just kind of shed light on your day. So yeah, maybe that light is for the ability to see, or, you know, the ability to listen. Um, those aren't necessarily given. Like, I think um, for myself, I listen to a lot of podcasts, Haley, I'll be walking, I'll be driving. And there are parts I just will not hear it's being played, but I will miss the whole, like, I just missed you know, some part of it. And it's like a constant reminder that it, it's an effort to listen. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, you know, maybe we can even ask God to help us. Listen. Right. I mean, that makes a good prayer as well. That is such a good analogy because um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and you're right. It's in my ear. It's playing, <laughs> and I hear it. But boy, my mind wanders. I am actually not yeah. hearing a thing. Yeah. Um, so that is the difference between truly, you know, listening and just hearing as well. Yeah, yeah. that's a great yeah. visual, but audio, act, video. Yeah. So the other the other passage that I really loved this week, I heard today, um, I actually hadn't read it, but I heard it, you know, during mass. And that came from this um, past Sunday, February 28th, second reading. And, you know, it's a very simple phrase. We hear it all the time. It's out there a lot. You know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And you know, it's so simple and yet so powerful um, because if God is with us, who can be against us? And yet sometimes, you know, we feel like God is not with us, um, especially during those times of prayer, especially during those, you know, those sad, you know, more tragic events that we'll, we all experience at times. Um, you know, those are the dark moments when we really struggle um, and we really have to, to listen and seek and know that God is with us. Um, it's really mm -hmm. when we need God and our faith the most. Um, but I thought, you know, like so many things in the Bible and so many words, um, you know, of Jesus, they are so simple and yet so hard to do um, and so complicated. So it's, you know, it, it's a great thought to take during this week. And it's a great thought to remember as we, you know, continue to pray for those who in need, you know, if God is for us, who could be against us? Yeah. Well, and I think that's a really good passage just to pray with and maybe to listen to, because one of the things that comes to mind when I hear that, because you're right, we do know it. There's a cheer. I never say it in a high school. I worked at before used it. I don't know if St. Francis uses it, but it, we believe that we will win. And I think it was the Naval Academy that started it. And I don't know how much Notre Dame uses it. I cannot stand that prayer. <laughs> we believe that we will win. Like, and I, I feel that way about this passage. If God is for us, who can be against us? But it's not a rally cry or a cheer. I think it's something, I mean, at least for me, it's something to pray with. I, I need a little more like understanding of what that might mean. And I know Jesus says nothing is impossible with God. Even Mary, the, you know, our lady, she said that too. So this is a message that's being repeated. And how can we integrate that or believe that and live that out in our lives is, yeah, you know, it's an exhortation. So there's something there, but it's not, we believe that we will win. No, but I'm now going to have that going through my head for the rest of the day. So <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> and next time it's being cheered, you will not, you will I, refrain. I will not hear it the same way ever again, but you know what? That's, a, you're right. That's a great, that, it's a great, a great connection. <laughs> I don't celebrate until the clock, Haley, has gone to zero. I just, I refuse to, like, maybe it's, I'm still scarred from the Florida State BC game my sophomore year, your junior oh, year. Oh, so. we are all yeah. still scarred from that. Yes, yes. <laughs> but my reading for our stew is today for February 28th, the, the first reading, which is the testing of Abraham. And um, I think this is such an important reading for a number of reasons. I have found when I studied, you know, about Judaism, the purpose of the test is not for the test taker to see you know, as a teacher, I use a test to see how well my students really getting the material and I need to know where they're at. But really in Judaism, the test is for the person taking the test for him or her to understand their strengths, also their weaknesses. And right in the sense of a relationship with God, how loyal, how faithful are we? And we see 
Abraham's greatness and his fidelity and his faithfulness to God. Uh, the test taker has certainly prevailed where he's willing to give his firstborn son. But in that sense, um, a couple of things. I am back in the classroom and you know we're looking at scripture and I always make a case for commentary. So for our readers, you know, if you go on to the online reading of the gospel or any reading at the bottom of the page of those footnotes, and I've never gone to law school and um, Jamie's a lawyer, right? Or no, did Jamie go to law school? Okay, I don't know why I thought that. Um, I know he's in business, but first, anyways, lawyers know they have to read the footnotes, but I think it's very helpful to read the commentary or the footnotes on any passage of scripture. And certainly this reading can be challenging and it can be confusing for people. And so it's helpful to read in that commentary on the USCCB website, it, it just notes that if we're thinking of the Bible as literature, and I talked earlier about a story, this is a literary masterpiece. It is widely considered a great story of, you know, these dynamic characters, Abraham, who has been faithful for so long and wanting a son, and he gets this son in the form of Isaac. And this masterpiece depicts God like this, you know, as absolute Lord, but then inscrutable and ultimately gracious is what it says acting in moral grandeur and he's a great ancestor for israel so again it places in a kind of a deeper understanding what is happening here about this god that is being presented and this god is different the jews are always trying to mark themselves as different it should be noted that at that time infanticide was a practice of other groups and this god you know the one god yahweh is saying this is not what i'm asking of a parent to a child i'm not asking you to sacrifice your very own yes jews make sacrifices of animals right or a certain amount of crops or whatnot but not of their child and so it gives way for you know the akeda is the jewish name for the binding of isaac and that is the story by which we realize, you know, God doesn't want infanticide. God is faithful to Abraham. And, you know, it's just a way of proceeding. Like as a result of that, um, you know, Father Tom talked today about the linkage between sacrifice and thanksgiving. And I, I need, told him I need to like sit with that a little more. Like Abraham was willing to make the sacrifice and he didn't need to. But how does that yield thanksgiving? That's something I want to kind of think a little bit more about. Yep, I'm, I, I am with you on that. I think that's something I'm going to have to think about as well. Uh, and I really need to think about, you know, what, what do I sacrifice? What have I sacrificed? You know, certainly we have what we're giving up for Lent and those sacrifices, but is that really a sacrifice? Um, you know, just the definition of that word, is it, it reminds me of, um, you know, the, the gospel where um, the, you know, the, the rich man walks into the temple and loudly drops his very loud coins, um, you know, as um, to, to let everybody know that he, you know, what he is donating. And, you know, he certainly was letting his right hand know what his left hand was doing, but, um, and everybody else as well. And then you have the poor woman who comes in and, and gives everything she has. And who gave the bigger sacrifice there? You know, certainly the, the wealthy man gave more, you know, from a, a monetary standpoint. And, but, um, the woman certainly sacrificed more. So I think, um, you know, this is also a, a good a good exercise, you know, even in our takeaways of really looking at what is, what is sacrifice? What are we truly sacrificing? And is it, um, 
you know, a convenient sacrifice or is it um, an inconvenience? Because really a true mm-hmm. sacrifice should be inconvenient. Um, mm-hmm. to, to, and, and maybe, um, you know, one of the things, and again, we really need to think on this um, is, you know, maybe part of a true inconvenient sacrifice is being thankful that we have something like that, that we can yeah. sacrifice. Yeah. Um, right. You know, being, yeah. having a lot to give, having something meaningful, you know, a, a yeah. sacrifice is giving up something that's wor- of worth. Um, yes. and, and in that sense, you know, we should be grateful. You know, there is that Thanksgiving for, for having something of worth, um, whether it's monetary worth or, you know, just value in our lives. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, okay, you know, you and I identify as athletes and we have been tested. Like, you know, anytime you had a swim race, like how far can you push yourself and how hard and ultimately, you know, right. You know, based on the results and you have this interior, you know, dialogue, but I was thinking of my spiritual self and, you know, I, say that I want to be loving or forgiving, but how do I really know until I am tested or until I'm asked to sacrifice? And so during Lent, it's a small battle that I'm facing every day when I want to have sweets and I feel it every day. And it's, again, it's that ongoing dialogue that I don't want to have with the devil, but you know, in the last week I've been thinking about other conversations that I don't want to have with the devil because I will lose, or, you know, I will, I don't want to go down that path. And until there's the test, um, I don't know where I'm at in any of those things. So I I think there's some wisdom in that. And um, I appreciate how you said like um, inconvenient sacrifice versus, or is that right? Inconvenient. So um, just some ways for us to frame what we're called to do and, you know, and that's ultimately how you get better unless you are testing yourself and you know, working at it and running through the tests or the, you know, whatever it is that, you know, as athletes, we go through, we can see how we improve. Um, well, and that's exactly what you were talking about, you know, with, um, you know, the Judaism and, and the test being for the test taker, right. You know, the test is for us, you know, we need to be tested ourselves, um, to see where we are, not for judgment to just to gauge. Yeah. Yeah. So those are great takeaways for the week. Um, you know, certainly always prayer, um, you know, prayer along with fasting and almsgiving are, you know, the three tenets of Lent. So we'll continue to look at those over the next couple of weeks. So uh, the first one today we wanted to talk about for sure was prayer. But prayer is not just something, of course, that we think about once a week uh, with our podcast or even once a week during Lent. Uh, you know, it's something that really should be done every day probably should be done for four minutes every morning so we can work on that uh, um, again Amen. yeah yes for all of us um, and you know certainly look link the link between sacrifice and Thanksgiving I really need to do I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time going through this week you know really aware of what am I truly sacrificing um, you know are giving is giving up sweets truly a sacrifice for me um, I tend to think yes every day I really want what's in my pantry um, I was at Target yesterday staring at the gum aisle thinking is sugar gum like you know I love a good piece of bubble gum like that sugary you know that loses its flavor in like 45 seconds but that rush of sugar at the beginning and I thought is that a sweet you know what should i give that up to would that 
satisfy my sweet tooth? And then if it does satisfy my sweet tooth, then is it a dessert? So, you know, that's, that's something kind of silly and minor, but I, you know, what am I truly sacrificing? Is it just the sweets or is it, um, you know, do I need to spend some time in Thanksgiving and prayer about what that means? So that, that will be my takeaway for the week. Well, I, I think there's a lot of good lists. I'm sure you've seen some of these where it's like, and it's like give up despair, give up cynicism. And it's kind of doing like a, I think a personal, like a, an inventory of maybe our tendencies. So like the need to be right or whatever it is. And those are things too. Um, I, earlier you had mentioned starting Lent with like four things that you might want to do. And, you know, as the time progresses, what really stays? And I, 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 that resonated with me, you know, my big one, like I've said, is the sweets piece and that's very measurable, but, you know, I want to do the four minutes of prayer, but the other things that I, like I've mentioned giving up, I mean, I don't think I'm a person of despair, but maybe an idea that, you know, something might be a certain way. And, you know, you can go into that space where you're like, you kind of entertain certain thoughts or, and just letting things go, you know, and, um, leaving space for God to just work in your life. Um, that's a worthy sacrifice. If that, if you even want to call it a sacrifice there, that's just giving something up. Well, and, and I think, you know, ultimately the reason we, we give something up or choose to do something during Lent is to bring us closer to God. Um, so there, there are times when, Um, you know, last night when we were out to dinner with, you know, a couple friends and my husband ordered dessert and I declined, you know, in my mind, it's a quick, you know, this is for God, right? So even just that, that mm, if it's good. more of a, an awareness, right? Even if every time yeah. uh, I have that thought, it's just a quick Thanksgiving, you know, to God, thank you. I'm not going to eat this. Um, so really all of this, um, any sort of giving things up or more of awareness is to, to ultimately bring us closer to God. So hopefully that is, that's what we're doing. Um, that's, that's exactly what it's about. Right. And it's most, it's like the scripture is so simple you're so right. Uh, and I think I, as the test taker, as a person who doesn't mind taking tests, <laughs> you know, everyone's like, I'm a terrible test taker. And I, I just never really say much. I'm like, oh, I, I. I don't have a problem with tests. Those are, that's not, you know, my mind and whatever, but I need the rationale. And so you're, you're absolutely right. That's a helpful reminder for me. Yeah. It's not about passing the test of Lent. It's about growing in your relationship with God. So thank you. Yes. Yes. So here's to growing this week. Here's to more prayer. Here's to praying to people who are suffering um, from Tiger Woods to Lewis Nix to all the families involved. Um, You know, it's there are people again, we say this every week who are out there who are hurting, who are hungry, who are alone. Um, It's an extraordinary time and with extraordinary time deserves um, extraordinary prayer. So um, we continue to do that this week and um, we look forward to another week of Lent and continuing this journey next week. So thank you as always, Anne. You know, I thank you, Haley. I was the history major, um, but boy, I love the little mini history lessons you teach me every week. <laughs> so thank you for that. Right back at you. Absolutely. Have a great week. Thanks for being a good scripture scholar, <laughs> finding good stuff. So yes, have a good week. We'll see our readers next, our listeners next week. Amen.